spend a little bit of time in the Word of God this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. Can I ask you to do this? Can you just stand up with me as we read the Word of God this morning? Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Okay, the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Drop down then to verse 18, which is where we left off last Sunday. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray, and this is Paul now, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You may be seated. This morning I want to have a brief discussion with you concerning the topic of prayer and the Christian life. Particularly prayer as it relates to our encounter with spiritual warfare. If I was to ask you this question this morning, don't, don't respond out loud, but I just, let me just submit two questions to you for your thinking. How many of you are satisfied or believe that God is satisfied with your personal prayer life? How many of you are satisfied or believe that God is satisfied with your personal prayer life? And then this follow-up question. How many of you would like to grow in your prayer life? Okay, prayer is an interesting part of Christian living. It is perhaps one of the areas of greatest embarrassment and struggle for us as Christians. Okay, we, we wrestle with getting time to prayer. We wrestle with maintaining our focus when we pray. We're embar- we are embarrassed that we pray so little. We struggle because we have so much to do. We have so many distractions in our life. And the truth is this. In the immediate, prayer seems ineffective. Okay, there are things that you can go to. There are phone calls that you can go and make. And you can see immediate results from your efforts. Prayer works differently. Prayer will try your patience. Okay? Prayer demands focus and attention. It is not easy work. But it is a vital part of the armament that God gives to all of us as Christians. Think about Paul's analogy that he he laid out for us in verses 14 through 17 of this armor of God. He calls us to put on the full armor of God, the full covering. And the, 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 the clear implication of that text is this. Once the full armor is put on, what is a soldier going to do? Okay, a soldier who is putting on full armor is preparing for some sort of conflict or struggle. Okay, that's what Paul addressed in verses 10 through 11. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So we prepare for the battle. The implication of preparation is that once the armor is on, the belt's tightened, breastplate's in place, helmet's on, shield of faith is taken, sword is in place. The implication is the person who does that is going somewhere. If you saw someone suiting up like that, if you saw a local police officer suiting up in his tactical attire, you would say, and I did this the other day, I saw Vince Torrey at the Dunkin' Donuts, where are you going? 
Okay, why? He had a tire on that allowed me to realize he was prepared to go and do something as a police officer. Okay, here's what's fascinating about this text. Paul says, put on all this armor, and then the next thing he says, which I believe is the next phase of this covering from God, he says, and pray in the Spirit. Okay, which means what? Don't run out to the front line. Fall to your knees. Why? Because you understand the nature of Christian living. You understand the characteristics of the opposition that you face. And you know that you are not adequate for these things. And so the, the, the Christian as a, as a soldier, someone who's engaging in spiritual warfare, understands the nature of what they're about to encounter. When they understand it, they are not filled with confidence from the armor itself. Even though it does give them boldness and courage. But they realize that they must rest in the power of God as they advance out into the battlefield of life. And so as strange as it seems to take an analogy of soldiering, of armoring, okay, in preparation for a conflict, and then to say, okay, now fall to your knees. Okay, it seems paradoxical at some levels. And yet it is incredibly powerful in this passage of Scripture. The Christian soldier puts on all of God's protection and then falls on his knees. Why? Because of what verse 10 says. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Plug into God. Spend time recharging your spiritual batteries on your knees. Saying, God, I understand what lies before me. I understand my inadequacy. I have prepared to the best of my ability. Make me strong. Okay, that should be the heart cry of every Christian on a daily basis. Because we understand that the nature of Christian living is, if nothing else, very demanding and very difficult. It is not an easy life that we have been called to. Because we live in a struggle. We live with contentions. We live with opposition. Prayer is, and I'll give you this definition, prayer is crucial preparation for effective spiritual warfare or Christian living. Okay, it is crucial or critical preparation. It is absolutely essential that if we desire to be effective as believers, that we spend time with God on a regular basis. That we come to Him and say, God, I have prepared. And, and my heart is this, that we would come to God and say, God, make me strong for the task that you have laid before me. And folks, here's my conviction. I believe that is a prayer that God will answer every time. Here's what he says. He says, call to me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So, put on the armor, fall to your knees, and ask God for help. It is crucial Preparation, critical preparation for effective Christian living. If in your Christian experience you find consistent, persistent failure following struggle. Okay, you must take time to ask yourself, am I, number one, putting on the armor of God? Secondly, am I, after having prepared, falling to my knees and begging God for the strength to live the life that He wants me to live? Am I calling to Him?
Jesus warned Peter in this way in Luke 22. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. John chapter 17, or 15, Jesus says in verse 7, he says to his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. You see, what does Jesus want to do? Jesus wants to convince us of our inadequacy so that we fall to our knees and beg him for the assistance that he desires to give to his humbled children. Are you praying like this text encourages us to pray? And this will just be the, a simple focus this morning. First of all, this thought. I'm just going to give you four very simple thoughts. First of all, the variety of prayer in this passage of Scripture. Okay, it's, it's fascinating the way it says it. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Okay, I want you to focus on the, this phrase first. All kinds of prayers and requests. Okay, what is the all kinds of prayers? Okay, how many different kinds of prayers are there that are listed in the Bible? And I just did some brief research on this, just a, a little dab, and I think you could probably extend this list. All kinds of prayers. The confession of sin, cries of despair, declarations of faith, adoration, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers for healing, prayer for, for, for provision, prayer for one's mate, prayer for one's children, prayer for employment, prayer for one's parents, prayer for salvation, praying for missions, Asking for God to meet the needs of your daily life. For the salvation of your neighbors. For the success of your marriage. And I could go on and on. There are many kinds of prayers. All right, that we can just be taken to God. So prayer can begin to inhabit much more of my life than simply a quiet time in the morning. Okay, we are to pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. One text that, that jumped out to me as I was going through this. It's the prayer that is a cry to God for help. Pastor, it came to my mind, Psalm 40 and verse 1. Here's what the psalmist says. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. I armored, I prepared, I fell on my knees, and there I waited for the provision of God's strength for my life. Very beautiful. He says this. He says, he turned to me. I can think about this. The psalmist prepares himself for his life. He falls to his knees and he waits. He says, I, I went to the Lord and I waited patiently for him to help me. And then he turned to me. Like he, he heard my cry. Okay, what is the psalmist expressing? He's expressing gratitude to God that when he acknowledged his need, the Lord literally did this. And this is in the mind of the psalmist. He turned to me and heard my cry. And, and if you go on in that psalm, you find out that he gloriously meets his needs. Verse 5, he then responds with a statement of praise in response to God meeting his need. He says, oh Lord my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans are too numerous for us to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, it would never, I would never come to the end of them. But see, what is the psalmist saying? I waited, he turned, and when God responds and begins to meet your needs, you will find yourself full of all kinds of prayer, all kinds of gratitude, all sorts of expressions to God. I thought of the life of Jesus then, of this idea of variety in his prayer life. There were calls for assistance in Luke chapter 22 where Satan desired to sift Peter. There were expressions of love given in John chapter 17 in relating to his father and his desire for the father to care deeply 
for those that he had drawn to himself. Jesus on the cross praying for the forgiveness of those that were crucifying him. Jesus in the garden, Luke chapter 22, pouring his heart out before God in his time of need. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Not my will, prayer of surrender, but your will be done, prayer of sacrifice. And being in much anguish, he prayed all the more earnestly. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. An anguished cry for sovereign, supernatural, infinite assistance for the Son of God. Jesus prayed with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now folks, all I'm trying to impress upon you is this. I think it's similar to what Paul's saying in Ephesians 6. There's pray with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. There are numerous prayers in Scripture that you can go and study and learn how to lift your heart and soul up to God for refreshment. But I think it's also interesting that in this variety, there's all kinds, and then there is this insertion of the word and request. See that in the middle of verse 18? With all kinds of prayers and requests, which I think simply means this. Definite, specific needs that you take to God on a regular basis. I don't know if you're like me. I am easily uh, drawn off from various things as I go down and do my routine in life. Okay, I need to have a list of things that I pray for. I'm not saying that I use the list or go through the entire list every day. But the list is the means by which I, I remember definite and specific prayer needs. Okay, you may take the approach of taking a stack of cards. Write the name of your child on that card and begin just on that set of cards to list the needs that each of your children have for various specific missionaries that you pray for. Stick it on a card and have that card with you. Keep it with your Bible so that when you go to your quiet time, you can remember the very specific needs that are present. Take a need like what John Baker is facing. Okay, it's easy for us to read the email and then go on into our life and forget. Did that happen to anybody this week? Okay, I think we can all be honest and say, you know what, that does happen. If I don't make an effort to remember specific, definite requests, I am missing out on a great blessing from God. In Philippians 4 and verse 6, here's what Paul says. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, which is the words for specific requests, for pointed, direct needs in the life, definite issues. With prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the God of peace, which goes beyond understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, you know what that means? That means the things that are driving you crazy, that are filling your head with noise, need to be turned over to God. And when you make an effort with all prayer variety, and specifics, the peace of God will begin to replace the anxiety that is prevalent in the life of many Christians. You know how you kill it? You take your specific needs and you say, God, I can't handle this. I give this to you. I give this to you. Here's my sense on John Baker's part, having talked to him in the hospital and then talking to him again this morning. John just took this and said, God, I need to give this to you. And I'm going to go on doing what you have called me to do in my life. Folks, there is such peace when we take the specific annoying issue that is just hanging there and eating up your joy, chewing up bandwidth in your mind. Take it and say, God, I can't deal with this situation. And I simply give this over to you. And then 
The peace of God, which passes understanding, will keep your heart and mind. Think of this. Where you feel that agita, where you feel the pressure, where you feel the stress, God says, I want to keep you. I want to secure you and your mind, all the things that are running through your mind troubling you. I want to still you there. That's what Isaiah says, doesn't he? Be still and know that I am God. Above politics, above everything. Rest in me. Folks, you know how you do that? You take your burdens and you cast them over to the Lord. Because as you do that, He will assure you that He cares for you. Prayer is talking with and connecting with God at a deeper level. It is enjoying God. It is depending on God. It is loving God by bringing your needs to Him. And then, as a result, being assured of His love. A variety of prayer exists, just like a variety of your children's approaches to you as a parent exists. God wants you to come. He is not offended by any of your requests. He wants to hear from you in a variety of ways that I think are covered throughout the Word of God. Second thought is this, the intensity of prayer. And I think there are just one phrase in here that captures this. Paul says this, he says, and pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. That is the intensity of prayer. And then he captures another phrase in the second part of verse 18. He says, with this in mind, be alert. Okay, be aware. Be spiritually awakened. Okay, what is prayer in the Spirit and prayer that is alert to the needs in my life? What is that kind of prayer? I believe it is this. It is prayer that is sensitive to the directings and promptings of the Spirit of God. Okay, it is the prayer that is listening as he or she is talking to God, waiting for promptings and direction from their heavenly Father. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, I believe, captures this idea of praying in the Spirit. Verse 26, Paul says this. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Have you ever been there before God? You get there, you have a, an enormous need, but you're, it, it, it's like when you meet with a friend, they said, I just need to get together and talk with you. And you sit down with them over a cup of coffee or over a cup of tea, whatever it is, and they look at you and you say, so what's going on? And here's what they say. I don't even know. And what do they say? I don't know where to start. I don't know where to begin. What are they saying? This circumstance is, has so clouded my thinking, has so and kind of chewed up the bandwidth in my mind that I don't even know what to say. But they wanted to be with you. Not because they had a clear presentation all set to go. Because they knew being in your presence would have some effect of comfort upon them. And so they call you and you say, well, what do you want to talk about? I don't even know. Okay, but what? I needed to be with you. Folks, when you flee to God in the midst of your struggles, His presence will be a powerful source of comfort. And the Spirit of God is the one who will take that comfort from the Father and impress it upon your heart. So Paul goes on to say this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Why? We don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with words that we are unable to express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. 
So, your time spent before God, thinking about God, but with requests that you don't know how to verbalize, is time when the Spirit of God is working and praying through you. And I believe we'll do this. We'll begin to communicate the purposes and plans of God to you. I believe that this kind of prayer is not prompted by duty. Okay, I don't believe that praying in the Spirit is something I sit down and say, okay, now I have to pray in the Spirit. I believe this is a kind of prayer that is prompted by a knowledge of the Father's love. Okay, it's the same kind of thing on a human level that prompts friend to call friend. Okay, to say, I need to talk to someone. Okay, I need to be in the context of relationship with someone who loves me. Okay, what does the Spirit of God do? Romans 8 and verse 15. Here's what Paul says. He says, you, brother or sister, did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption and by him, by that indwelling spirit that says, you are my son, you respond to God by saying what? Abba, Father. Okay, you respond to God with the affectionate word, Daddy. Okay, occasionally when I write my daughters an email and I'm putting something in there that's more personal in nature, and I always hesitate to do this because I don't want, to think of, want them to think I'm being weird. Okay? But sometimes, I, or that I'm treating them as little kids, but sometimes I'll just put Daddy. Okay. When they see that, they know that's a change. Okay, it's me seeking to do this, to amp up my feelings and affections for them. The Spirit of God comes to the child of God and speaks into their heart. Comfort and encouragement that is so desperately needed. Paul says, in every kind of way, be intense in your connection with God because, be alert, you are in a struggle. Watch and pray so you don't fall. And Father, by the Spirit, will come alongside and pick up the arms that are getting tired, strengthen the legs that are getting weak, and enable you to finish the day in a way that will be for His glory. Pray in the Spirit as He prompts. Can I ask you this question? Do you listen when He burdens you to pray? Are you praying in alignment with His will and purposes, in harmony with what He wants in your marriage, with what He wants in your workplace? Pray in accordance with what the Spirit is revealing and has revealed through His Word in a way that is intensely focused and alert. Third thought is this, the regularity of prayer. And I just pick up on these phrases. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. This praying is in the present tense and it is to be done on all occasions, which means in any and all circumstances that you are facing in your life as a Christian. You do not face a circumstance in your life that God is disinterested in. He is personally concerned and personally interested in every situation that you face in the day. And what does He do? He calls us to cultivate a habit of praying and always keeping on praying in every situation, that means this, to pray ceaselessly and to pray constantly. Can I give you just a simple phrase? This is in your notes. Regularity in prayer means this, early in the day and often throughout the day. 
pray. Okay, early in the day and often throughout the day, pray. With all kinds of prayers. Now, when you hear this, this statement, early in the day, a psalm might go off in your mind. Psalm 63 and verse 1. Here's what David says. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. Now what is David saying? From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, I'm coming after you. Folks, you want to banish fear? You want to banish the influence and strength of the evil one? You want to deal him a blow? Flee to God. Do you know what God says? You draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. You can count on it. Resist him in my strength, and he'll flee from you. Face him in your own strength, and you will fail. You will fail. God wants us to pray early and often through the day, which should start to bring into your mind a couple passages of Scripture. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 17. What does Paul say? Pray without what? Ceasing. We always read like, what does that mean? Okay, I don't think it means unending prayer through the day in terms of you never stop talking to God. Even when I'm preaching right now, I'm still praying. Okay, I don't think that's what he means. Okay, I think he means that we should be cultivating early in the day and often through the day, a habit of touching base with God. You know what that will require? That will require for many of us reorganizing our lives. Rethinking our lives. Rethinking how we respond to various struggles and circumstances that we face. Paul says, pray without ceasing. I also think of Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Which assumes what? That there is a habit of touching base with God in our life early and often. Okay? I was going to ask how many of you pray and give thanks when you sit down to eat, but I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'm not going to ask that. But many of you have a habit when you sit down to a meal of stopping to pray. Okay? May I ask you a question? Why do you do that? Why before you eat do you stop and pray? Okay, you know why I do it? I was raised doing that. Okay, my first answer is that's what I was taught to do. Okay, is there a biblical justification for that? Mandate. Okay, I'm going to tell you, I don't think there is. But should we eat with gratitude? Yes, and, and as we bow our head before we partake of a meal, what are we saying? We're saying, God, thank you for this provision that you have given. And we're responding back to God with a degree of gratitude. Think of it this way. Why, when you sit, why, why do you need to sit down to eat? Okay, why do you sit down for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if you eat three meals a day? Okay, why do you do that? Why is it, you know, your kids come home from school at 2.45 or 3.15, whatever time they come home, and they come through the door, and what do they say? I'm, I'm starving, okay? What is that? That's an admission, an honest admission First of all, it's a lie because you're not starving. But secondly, it's an admission, right, that I have limited capacities. Okay? Every time I sit down to eat, what am I reminded of? I am reminded of the fact that my capacities are finite. My batteries run out. 
So at the end of every day, what's another habit I have? I've got to go lay down and get some sleep so that I can handle the day that's coming. If I don't get to sleep, I can't handle the day. I may make it two, through two or three like that, but I will become unconscious at some point and nauseous, okay, and tired, worn out, okay? Why? I need that. And when you, when you th- think about the routines in your life where you are expressing dependence and finiteness, okay, they are opportunities for you to cry out to God on a regular basis out of the circumstances of your life to be reminded how much... I need God. So next time you bow to, over lunch, over dinner, over breakfast, to just to say thank you to God. Why don't you admit to God who you are? And say, God, I need this meal. Because without this, I don't have the capacity to go on. You are infinite. And it's why I come to you and express my gratitude. And it's why I'm seeking to cultivate a regular connection with you. Prayer is like spiritual breathing. We exhale independence and we inhale dependence on God. So our prayer should be a regular part. If you take something from this today, can I just say to you, would you cultivate a habit of connecting with God that is not just simply what you do in the morning, not something isolated to part of your life, but something that becomes your life, that becomes like breathing Okay, take the reminders when you lay down at night, when you wake up in the morning. God, thank you. I needed that period of time. Thank you for watching over everything while I was sleeping. And when you sit down to a meal, say, God, I'm thankful that you never have to sit down to a meal because your capacities and strength are infinite. And I am reminded of my weakness and of my need to depend on you every time I sit down to eat something, to take a drink. Okay, I am reminded that my capacities are not like God's. The last thought that emerges out of this text is this. End of verse 18. Paul says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Prayer that honors God lastly is this. It is selfless prayer. Notice Paul's request in this text. Paul's request is not for comfort. It is for a heart to obey God in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus to the needs of others in his community. That is his desire. That is the driving force behind his life. Notice what he says in verse 19. He says, pray for me also that whenever I open my mouth, words will be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Folks, we have from God a responsibility, a joyful obligation and privilege to bear one another's burdens. And when we do that in prayer, book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, we fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, that when we take those those burdens and responsibilities and struggles that other people have and we begin to lift them up before God in prayer, we are being Jesus to them. Okay, and we are tying them and attaching them to the source of power that can change their lives. Now, when Paul says this, okay, when he says, and pray for me, he turns them from self-centered prayer to prayer for others, not only for himself, but also for the church in Ephesus. He says this, or here's what he's saying. He says, pray that when I open my mouth, words may be given, which is the claiming of a promise from Matthew chapter 10. When they drag you before magistrates, don't worry about what you say. Words will be what? given to you. I will give you by the Spirit what you need for that moment. 
Okay, so as Paul says to them, hey, would you pray for me? I believe that Paul is wrapping into this an expectation that when I open my mouth, words will come from God and I will fearlessly proclaim the good news of Jesus. And I love this statement, as I should. Okay, Paul ties his success in ministry, even though he is a seasoned veteran who has been through much and is now in prison. Here's what he says. He says, would you pray for me so that when opportunity is given to speak, I will hear the voice of God and I will speak it fearlessly. And I just love this little phrase, as I should. Folks, I think every Christian wants this at the end of the day. We want, we, we want to know that we have lived our life that day as we should. You know what Paul says? That hope of getting to the end of the day as I should have gotten to the end of it is tied in a very vital way to the prayers of brothers and sisters in Christ for each other. Now, this to me is an amazing mystery. Okay, but what I think I can assert from this text is this. God, in His infinite wisdom and desire to honor Himself through us, has tied the success of of gospel-centered Christians to God himself. Okay, he is tied, Paul saying, I am counting on God to give me success in my ministry, but I am tying my success in ministry to your praying to Father in heaven. That is an amazing thought. So who are you lifting in prayer? Okay, can I, can I say this to you? Would you do this for me every Sunday? Would you pray that God would give me his words to communicate. Because here's something I know. I am not adequate in this task apart from God. And may we pray for each other in this church family. With this understanding. Success in the work of the gospel depends upon God. And upon the prayers of the saints for the people of God. That's the way that God has miraculously and in my mind, mysteriously, set it up. Your success is tied to your brothers and sisters in Christ's prayer for you. Pray for me, Paul says, so that when I proclaim the gospel, I may do it fearlessly as I should. Closing observation. I believe that often for many of us, a weak prayer life, a weak prayer life, is rooted in faithless living. In weak living. Okay? Follow what I'm saying. Okay? If I am not attempting anything great for God, guess what? I don't need His help. If I am stuck in a very routine Christian experience, I simply don't need the help of God. There are plenty of people around you that don't know Jesus who live a very ordinary life. And I believe that often we are not in our prayer experiencing variety, intensity, regularity, and selflessness. Because we, we are living a very bland, average Christian life. That There's nothing before me tomorrow that's going to cause me to fall on my knees before God and say, God, help me. You see, if you, if you get devoted, okay, husband, to loving your wife, you're going to need God's help. If you get devoted, uh, wife, to loving a husband who is difficult, you're going to need the help of God. 
we are rarely attempting great things for God. So as a result, we don't pray as we should. I was struck by this yesterday in a circumstance in my own life, being with people that I should be praying for more regularly and haven't been praying for them as I should. Before I left, I felt an anxiety. I felt a, a sense in my heart that I have not been trusting God to work through me in their lives in a way that will take me beyond my personal capacities and abilities to interact with people. I can walk up to people and meet them, but I cannot win them to Jesus in my flesh. Does that make sense? If I go into those circumstances saying, God, I want to see you use my life to accomplish something great for you, I will have to pray. I mean, taking on the responsibility for things that you can't do is going to, the weight of it is going to drive you to your knees, which is exactly where you need to be. The Christian soldier armors himself or herself. And then they fall to their knees. Saying, I've got everything on that I need to have on, but I need your help. Paul saw a direct connection between the prayers of his brothers and sisters and his success for the glory of God in ministry. May God help us to see that. I don't think there's any mistake that I'm preaching on a passage on prayer on the day that we talk about this issue of building a building. Okay, because I look at it and say, God, without your help, this is not going to happen. Can I encourage you? Pray. Pray that God would advance his work in this community for his glory. For every person in this room. And I don't mean simply by our giving. Okay, I mean primarily by going out there and making a difference in our lives. By attempting, by praying to God to put a burden on our heart to do something that's going to stretch our faith and cause us on a daily basis to fall on our knees. Now listen, it may be the rescue of relationships in your life where you say, God, I can't. I have been trying for years. I need your help. It may be sharing the gospel with a loved one, with a neighbor, with a friend, and you say, God, I've wanted to do that, but I have found myself utterly unable and prayerless. Okay, here's what I would encourage you to do. Commit to responding to the voice of the Spirit as He prompts you. Because he will prompt you to do things that are works of faith. He will prompt you to give in ways that are acts of faith. And then you need to go to him and say, okay, God, you have got to help me do this. Because the desire to do this is not emerging from my flesh. Your spirit is speaking that into my life. I'm simply saying yes, and I'm going to, and I challenge you, church, begin to attempt things for God that require his assistance. And that really is going to be simply a life of obedience. And when you commit to a life of obedience to God, you're going to say, oh, God, help me. Help me. And when you call to him, here's his promise. I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you never would have guessed would happen. Father, I pray 